So I'm Nicole uh, Vosper. I live in Somerset in Southwest, and I um, have a website called EmptyCagesDesign.org, and I try and link permaculture in prisons because um, I'm an ex-prisoner and also involved in permaculture. So I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about why you feel that the prison system needs needs overhauling and you know maybe what your experience is in that sense yeah sure so um i did a three and a half year prison sentence when i was 21 um most of it was in well the whole thing 21 months was in a private prison a women's private prison um in middlesex and um that's kind of in a backdrop of kind of long-term organizing um the kind of different social justice like projects and campaigns and struggles um <clears throat> and the yeah the prison system i guess my perspective on it is that it's inherently violent um so even with you know like bigger bigger cells or more kind of um adequate healthcare or more visits or you know all sorts of education and training or gardens in prisons you know all these things that people throw around even with all of those reforms i believe it's inherently violent um because i think that act of caging a human being is is violent um so prison abolition uh is, which is something i organize for is more about looking at like what other solutions are there to the kind of social and economic problems that the prison system is like allegedly meant to be solving <coughs> In in what ways does the prison system, in your opinion, have unfairness kind of designed into it fundamentally? And what is it a fundamentally unfair design? Yeah, I think as a I think as a design, the prison system is like incredibly effective in the sense of who it's serving. So it's serving obviously the state, and it's also serving um, <clears throat> the kind of hierarchies that exist in our society. You know, anyone that's engaged in any kind of social change work will probably see prison or repression as like a limiting factor or a fear to overcome, to kind of push for more change. So prisons are kind of fundamental in maintaining this kind of social order in our society. Um, and they're really essential in maintaining this kind of class-based system that we have, especially in the UK. Um, you know, there's an author called Carleen Faith, <clears throat> who wrote about a book about women in prison, and she describes prisons as the place where all the injustices converge. So prisons, like, perpetuate inequalities um, in the sense of, like, race. You know, like, people of colour are, like, highly criminalised, have totally disproportionate sentences, um, especially foreign nationals um, and kind of this new wave of, like... Well, it's not new, but this, like, racism towards, like, immigrants. Um, immigrants are increasingly becoming criminalised and kind of filling up our prison system. <clears throat> and again, that's no accident. Um, and prisons harm disproportionately, um, you know, queer, gay communities, um, the homeless, like, generally just the working class. Um, you know, the kind of war on drugs and all these other um, things that the kind of state holds as as keeping us safe and that us being this kind of privileged minority um, is actually false and I feel that prisons are definitely perpetuating more harm than they're preventing or solving. Uh, it's quite a, a, a step from, from that to, uh, to the idea of abolishing prison altogether. Is it, I mean, is, is there not an argument that actually prison keeps us, 
keeps the, most people safe from some really very violent, unpleasant uh, characters, and there are some people for whom prison is a necessary thing. Yeah, so I understand that prison abolition is, is like a challenging perspective, especially if people are kind of new to to these issues. Um, when I like facilitate workshops around this kind of um, field, I guess, I always ask people like, like what what makes you feel safe? Like what actually keeps you safe or what keeps your community safe? And, you know, the things that come out of those workshops, and these are workshops with like all sorts of people, you know, like ex-prisoners, different community groups, um, you know, even permaculture people at these conferences. Um, and the same patterns come up again and again. So, you know, like access to healthcare, um, you know, accountability if someone's experienced harm. So if someone has experienced, you know, like rape or abuse um, or murder or violence, then they need to feel some level of accountability with the perpetrator of that harm. Um, but what, you know those levels of harm in communities is, are communities with greater equality, you know, greater, you know, better gender relationships. Um, you know, there isn't like the haves and the have nots, for example, you know, indigenous communities all over the world have managed to function without the use of like huge state run prisons. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's like a fallacy that we can organize our society without them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I always bring it back to what keeps you safe. And most people say if they've experienced harm that they, you know, they want a supportive group of friends around them. You know, they want to have that communication with the perpetrator, potentially. They want to feel, like, immediately safe in their environment. Um, so for me, like, the link between prisons and permaculture is, like, actually redesigning our society and really building communities that can really meet people's needs so that, you know, you, you're not having people having to kind of commit crime you know using that discourse of crime to actually meet their own needs most people in prison are, are there for like economic reasons or because their actual communities are criminalized and the criminalized communities that are in prison are actually the ones that are experiencing the most harm so you chat to anyone in jail and they're the ones that have experienced you know being like mugged being burgled you know sexual financial abuse everything so <clears throat> it's not really working for anyone like the people that experience the harm the most are then the ones that are filling our prisons. You mentioned about the, that you were in a private prison. I mean, one of the things that, that a lot of people uh, listening to this might not be aware of is is the extent to which the private the, the prison service is now a, a private commercial operation. Um, could you just say a little bit about that and, 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 and how that affects who prison serves and what the experience is for people on the inside? Sure. So this term, the prison industrial complex, has emerged in the last couple of decades to kind of describe the more complex web of relationships that underpin the prison system. Um, so it's never just been the state that runs prisons, but increasingly um, it is private companies that are running institutions. For example, all of the immigration detention centres in the UK are run for profit by private companies. And what's problematic about this isn't just the kind of ethics involved of like, you know, actually like profiting and serving your shareholders through caging certain groups of people. Um, it's also that the private prison industry have a lot of power and lobbying power. And so they can actually change our whole criminal justice system because they can put pressure to change like different sentences and make reforms and stuff. So it kind of changes the whole landscape of our criminal justice system. In terms of private prisons, um, 
Like, I'm not pro-state prison by any means at all, but there are definitely some differences in patterns. Um, for example, the, the top five prisons in the UK with the highest rates of self-harm last year, four of them were private prisons. Like, you have this effect where companies are trying to cut corners because that's their business interest, and that obviously is going to affect kind of prisoners. Um, so that will reduce staffing ratios, making prisons generally like a lot more unsafe, um, higher levels of abuse between staff. You know, the prison that I was in, like four or five different officers after I left had been sacked for, for sleeping with women in the prison. You know, this kind of level of abuse is like rife in UK jails. Um, and then there's obviously contracts with private companies that are directly profiting from the labour of prisoners. Um, you know, companies like Virgin or DHL, um, you know, they all, they're all making money by paying prisoners like, you know, a maximum of kind of £25 a week, which and that's a job that could have gone to someone on the outside for, for minimum wage or more. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's like completely shocking, shocking that they've, you know, created this system to profit from something that is just like so exploitative and harmful and is destroying communities by removing people from those communities. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, we've had kind of all, you know, horrific things of like capitalist exploitation, you know, like war or everything else. But I do think there is something like really screwed up about making money from, you know, actually caging people. So what what for you would would prison abolition look like? Uh, you know, if, if, if people were guilty of of violent crimes or, or, or whatever, what would be the, the ideal way of, of, of managing that or treating that? So I think the most important thing is that there's no, there's no one solution to anything and what would work for me or maybe my community wouldn't necessarily work for another. So it's about having this like constellation of alternative strategies to respond to harm. Um, you know, just like Indigenous cultures have, have got all variety of like tools and rituals and community processes to respond to harm in their communities we'd have to do that work and that design work and that practice and that development to actually be able to respond to these issues um you know and a lot of those tools already exist especially in sort of more anarchist kind of subcultures uh, we have things like safer spaces agreements and accountability processes um <clears throat> and there's a model that has come out of north america called transformative justice um which emerged due to the needs of like survivors of sexual violence having wanting to not you know endanger the perpetrators of that violence and subject them to the criminal justice system but actually to look at alternatives and to support them to transform their behavior so everyone is transformed by that process it's not just a case of say restorative justice where you're kind of restoring the same power imbalances that kind of perpetuate the harm um, <clears throat> yeah, so for me, prison abolition is just like one massive creative design opportunity of how can we keep our community safe and what tools and processes can we, you know, imagine to actually respond to harm in a way that doesn't, you know, give power to the state or, you know, lock people behind bars. And in terms of the kind of like, you know, this violent minority that we're meant to like really fear, I think that's like a big cultural myth that like perpetuates this idea that prisons are like natural, normal and necessary. Um, and I know there was a book where a guy had kind of spent time in Broadmoor 
like as a psychiatrist working with kind of five of the like top serial killers in the UK and he said not a single one of them hadn't had like the most kind of brutal traumatic childhood um so for me in terms of actually kind of dealing with people that have perpetuated that level of harm I think it need to look like more like a care model so I used to work with autistic adults for example that were quite violent and aggressive um and it would be about like what meets their needs so I could imagine like you know smaller smaller systems where we actually treat individuals as like needing care and support rather than needing like more violence being inflicted upon them mm-hmm. and uh could you say a bit about how, where the, where the permaculture comes in I mean you know some people would think permaculture in prisons it just means making gardens in prisons but I I get a sense from from your work that you 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 see it as a much deeper thing than just planting a few apple trees in the yard in a prison yeah for sure so um for me like permaculture and prisons have always been quite linked because i i learned about permaculture inside i had a i got a distance learning course uh when i was in prison and studied permaculture in there and worked in the gardens and kind of encouraged the garden officer to let us grow veg rather than just like weeding (laughs) rose bushes or something so um, for me, I've always seen that they do go together quite well in the sense of I see permaculture as like being a way to like completely redesign our society that meets, you know, human needs while like increasing ecosystem health. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, for sure, like I get a lot of emails from people that want to do projects with prisons and, you know, plant gardens and la 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 la. But like this isn't really the work that I'm doing or the work that I'm overly interested in. Um, you know, like a garden, being in the gardens in jail really like kept me sane and really nourished me while I was there. But it's it's a very like cosmetic intervention. Like I feel like the power of permaculture, we have a lot more ability to like transform society than we imagine at the moment. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so for me, it's more about, um, you know, totally redesigning our societies from the ground up, which is obviously what, you know, people engaged with the transition movement are really doing. And, you know, and that's like super inspiring. Um, But I'm not like dismissive of projects with prisoners. Like there are some really inspiring examples, especially in North America. Um, And, you know, people, especially people leaving prison, like they really need support, like, and they really need access to like create a new way of life because most people coming out of jail are just landing straight in the same situations, you know, like um, poverty, like benefits, like drugs, violence, probably like, um, you know, the same sort of patriarchal culture. Um, So creating opportunities for prisoners to come out of jail and actually access land and build livelihoods and, you know, find like purpose and meaning and actually be able to feed themselves, um, I think would be super inspiring and super necessary. Yeah, because quite a lot of, you know, I've met people who, who, you know, people who have been in and out of prison because actually will often kind of get sent back to prison because it's it's some stability, you know, it's like regular meals and you're warm and you're kind of, uh, you know, and I wonder what does that tell us about how crap stuff is once you get out and how little support there is when you get out that actually that thing of going back in and out and in and out Mm-hmm. It just becomes a pattern for people. I mean, how do, how do we break that pattern? Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, I think it's something like 65% of offenders, like of, I don't like the word offender, but of prisoners, like, return, you know, within, like, I think it's six months or 12 months. So, like, most people in prison are people that have been there before. 
Um, so there's a, you know, there's like a design tool in permaculture, this idea of like a spiral of erosion and like identifying where that erosion is happening and where the leaks are. And I feel like we can intervene in that system by looking at why people are returning to prison. You know, and the main reason is you're getting kicked out of jail with like a £46 discharge grant that hasn't changed in the last four years. And then you have to wait, you know, a month maybe to get your benefits sorted and the... You know the grants from the from the state, like the emergency funds or the job centres, aren't available anymore. And um, you know, Salvation Army is completely oversubscribed, and you can't get on the housing register. And it's like it's literally no surprise that people return to prison. Um, you know, no surprise at all. And I could really see the change in the just under two years that I was there, with all the kind of government like austerity measures. And how that was really, really harming people because the services inside the prison were just getting stripped, like left, right and centre. You know, the housing team like lost their jobs. The the group that worked with foreign national women um, lost their funding and then people were getting out and like were completely unable to access support from kind of charities or other bodies that used to exist. Um, <clears throat> so prisons really, you know, they really link with with this kind of like, you know, national impact of you know, the state, and it's basically, it's class war on working class people in the UK. So could you could you kind of paint us a picture of what your vision would be of a fair, uh, just justice system? If, we, if you were to leap forward 20 years and this had happened, can you just paint a picture of it for us? What might it be like? Um, wow, yeah. So I guess <laughs> for me the, you know, Fairness is like actual real social justice and real kind of a real egalitarian society. And I don't feel like that's possible in our economic system. And I don't feel that's possible when we have the existence of the state, which is going to protect the people at the top of the hierarchy. Um, So for me to have real fairness would be to totally transform all our social relations and you know, make our society less stratified and less hierarchical, you know, ideally, like, I guess in my, in my fantasy head, like an anarchist society where, you know, we're addressing our power relationships left, right and centre and where, you know, the minority don't have a monopoly of violence over the the majority, for example. Um, But in terms of like a more positive, creative vision that I know is what (laughs) I'm called to people transition people want. Yeah, for sure there'll be some apple trees in there, but I think more than anything it would be like, you know, communities, you know, actually having, being less atomized and having relationships with each other and, you know, actually people paying attention to things like sexism and racism so that, you know, there isn't such like endemic levels of like domestic violence um, or drug abuse and most you know most substance abuse comes from people being like sexually abused on their kids so you know if we actually had a revolutionary different society that kind of harm hopefully wouldn't happen or at least you know it definitely wouldn't happen at the kind of endemic scales that we have now um, so yeah I could imagine like a constellation of alternatives in communities developing different tools um, and when we don't have the haves and the have nots like I'm sure that would definitely stop a lot of the kind of crime as we know it happening fantastic did you see um um pandora's presentation about the work she's doing yeah she's great isn't she awesome great yeah so do we have any programs like that here um 
Not with the same kind of politics, I think. Like, for sure, there are organisations doing work with ex-prisoners. Um, one of A close friend of mine who I was in prison with got out and got a job with a charity. And, you know, she's been in and out of jail her whole life. And now she, she hasn't been back for, like, four years. And she's got a steady job and she's outside all day and she loves it. So I don't know the name of her, her organisation, um, but I don't believe we have anything as explicitly radical as Pandora's work. Um, but yeah, for sure, if people are inspired to to start those sort of programs, that would be super cool. Mm-hmm. And is is there somewhere if if there's a you know we currently have a government that uh, uh, don't look like they have much inclination to do anything other than continue and accelerate the kind of trends that you've been talking about um is there any you know if we've either got the situation as it is now or no prison at all uh what would feel to you would be the first kind of steps you know because at the moment it sounds like well basically we have to have a total transformation of society and how it's organized politically before we can reimagine the prison system are there any uh, I mean, I imagine, you know, the work you're already doing work, which is trying to bring that vision, that different way that it could work into the existing system. I wonder if you could just give us a sense of how people, if they're inspired by what you're talking about and, you know, what what, what you're already doing, how do you start to build a bridge across or how do we start to make that a reality now? Yeah, for sure. So I feel like... Um we need to be investing time and energy in developing ways to respond to harm. So, you know, things like transformative justice are kind of a lot more common in the US, but, you know, we need to really build up those those tools and those ways of kind of existing so that we can actually meet our own needs without the state. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like that's something that if people are interested in kind of people care or Zone Zero Zero stuff or inner transition work, then actually... You know, like really addressing some of the some of the kind of different forms of oppression that we have in our society, like racism and sexism and ableism. And, you know, even just thinking about things like class, you know, within, say, the transition movement and the permaculture movement. You know, to me, these feel like huge elephants in the room that we don't discuss enough. So, um, you know, really looking at kind of design interventions around them and for sure, like practical projects with with ex-prisoners you know like i think is like super important if every permaculture project or community garden in the uk could support a couple of apprentice ex-prisoners like we'd definitely you know make some sort of dent but i think more than anything it's this kind of idea of like are we making gardens in this kind of battlefield (laughs) like i do feel like we need to kind of politically engage with this and if people are really passionate about permaculture, then, you know, applying design to grassroots campaigns. Like, they're building Europe's second biggest prison right now in North Wales. Six days ago, they just announced a new prison they want to build in Jamaica, um, funded by the British, British state. Like, you know, these are all things that are happening right now, and I don't feel like we can be neutral, and I don't feel like we can be passive. I feel like we need to organise, and we need to kind of resist the kind of growth, the expansion of the prison system while simultaneously developing alternatives and, you know, doing kind of more one-to-one work with ex-prisoners. 